Hey everybody, I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Free K-12 Education Talk Radio on June 15, 2023. And as you know, we're the Voice of the American Consortium for Equity and Education. Everything we do is at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. It's all free for anybody who wants to go over there. Our magazine, Equity and Access, our awards program, the Excellence in Equity Awards, K-12 Education, Pre-K-12 Education. Okay, you'll see the icon over there. The nominations are open till September, but you really ought to see all the new categories and new things we've come up with. It's really cool. There's an icon for that and a lot of ton of other information, plus the icon for the podcast like this one. So go over to stashed.org and check it out again. It's all free. Today we've got, well, this is really fun. We have our good friends from the, uh, from the Council of Administrators of Special Education case over at kcec.org. All right, and it's either going to be, I don't know if it's going to be Bridget or Phyllis. I'll find out in a minute. There's a moment of suspense for you. But they have brought with them Dr. Jenny Millward. And Jenny is the executive director, and this is very important, of the National Alliance for Medicaid in Education. And this plays a tremendous role in education, particularly, if I may, in special education. And since so many more kids are getting involved in special education. We've got shortage teachers and search, et cetera. We've got to work this out. And so without further, first I want to find out without further ado, is Bridget here or is Phyllis here? The answer is? Phyllis Wolfram. Yay! (laughs) Hi, Larry. It's so nice to be with you again this morning. Thank you, Phyllis. And everybody, Phyllis is the executive director of CASE the Council of Administrators of Special Education, which is part of CEC. Okay, great to have you here, Phil. It's been too long since we've chatted. And tell my good friend Bridget I said hi. I do miss her when she's not here, but I think we've got a pretty good person with us. What do you think? Uh, You know, I think you are spot on, and I'm so excited that Jenny's able to join us today because she's doing some fabulous work. You see, Jenny, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Jenny. Call me Larry. It's a pleasure to see you. Oh, see you here. To meet you here. Okay. And to tell, I want to get right into this. You're the executive director, okay, of the National Association for Medicaid and Education, correct? Correct. I am. Okay. Correct. Most people don't even know your organization exists, and they certainly don't know how important it is. I've had you folks on before a few years ago. Okay, I don't know if it was you. I, I remember it as being a gentleman. Okay, sure, Whatever it was probably John Hill. Yeah, John retired last year yeah. when I began. There you go. Where are you from, Jenny? I'm from Georgia. I, I, I figured you weren't from Vermont. I just picked up your accent there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Anyway, the National Alliance for Medicaid and Education. I'm going to ask both of you. We're going to start with Jen. Tell us what your organization does. Okay. For pre-K-12 education. Go for it. Sure. Okay, so the National Alliance for Medicaid and Education really facilitates collaboration and communication between all the stakeholders involved in the um, school-based Medicaid process. So we attempt to bring um, school districts together with their 
state agencies, their state Medicaid agency, their state education agency, and help them collaborate to um, take the information and guidance from the federal level and make the best state plan that they can. Because every state has a unique um, Medicaid, school-based Medicaid plan. And um, we facilitate conversations with the federal agencies, um, OSERS, as well as CMS, which is the Medicaid office, and um, work really hard to make sure they have the latest and greatest. And so there is so much um, activity in this space right now that we're having a lot of robust conversations and um, getting states ready to come into compliance. Excellent. Now tell everybody, and I'm quite serious about this, what Medicaid does for education. I'm going to ask that question to Phyllis regarding special education, but I want you, Jenny, to talk about it because people understand what you just said, but I don't think they understand what Medicaid dollars have to do with education, okay? And that's, that's what you guys do. All right, and just explain that, because I, I know it's so obvious to you, and I know it's so obvious to Phyllis. Okay, tell the world why we need Medicaid dollars in education. Jenny, Dr. So, um, Med- yes, so Medicaid is the third largest funding stream for schools, and a lot of people yeah. don't know that. You're right, Thank Larry. You. Yeah. yeah, And so it's a significant source of revenue, um, for, for services that are medically necessary for children to attend school. And like so what? school districts. Like what? Let me, let me so, interrupt you. Like right. what? Like what? Right. So what school service? districts can, um, can possibly receive reimbursement based on their state's plan if their state allows it for services that could be like speech language pathology, occupational therapy, physical therapy, nursing services, transportation. So all of these things wow. could be in a state's plan for reimbursement. And if it's not, the state can do an amendment to include things in their plan like this to um, allow school districts to, um, you know, bring in this revenue. A, a third largest revenue stream in education, Medicaid. Okay. That's I right. would bet you 90, 90% of the people who are listening did not know that, if not higher. Okay. I, that, I would have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's an astounding number. And I just want to go back to Phyllis. Phyllis, executive director, Matt, another madam executive director this time of CASE, the Council of Administrators of Special Education. Talk about the impact of this Medicaid on particularly special ed. Yes. Yeah, Larry. We have we. One of the things that we know is that a number of our students with IEPs uh, are Medicaid eligible, and so uh, what we know as a funding stream for special education from the federal government is, of course, uh, almost non-existent because we're only funded at about 13 percent. So the impact of us understanding uh, uh, how to get reimbursement for the services that we're providing wow. for our students in schools um, is critical for uh, all uh, school administrators to know, and especially special education administrators. Um, Jenny has a very unique uh, perspective in that she is a former special education director. Oh, so she's you're going been, to heaven. She, Jenny, you're going to heaven like Phyllis. You're going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bridget, too. Bridget, too. She can go to yeah. heaven, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, so our partnership is so valuable. And um, when Jenny took on this position, uh, she's been joining in, in several of our meetings and speaking to our leaders. Uh, we're hoping that we give her that larger platform so that uh, schools can learn more about how to seek reimbursements. Not every school district across the nation engages in this reimbursement process through Medicaid. Um, and so we want to get the word out. And Julie's organization is a member organization. So uh, there are so many individuals who are responsible for the process of, of Medicaid in the public schools that are members. There's a lot of special education directors that are members. Uh, but we want to get more people involved to yeah. increase that funding in public schools and to have a clear understanding. And then one of the things that, that we can do in our organization is advocate for the changes as Jenny is the expert in this field and teaching us specifically when there are issues around Medicaid, um, how we can assist in that advocacy and as well as that education piece to educators across the nation. So to go back maybe to your original question, it is a huge impact on special education. And, you know, there are so many requirements to special education, Larry. I think, you know, we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. All the compliance yeah. standards, you know, uh, everything we're responsible for. So to have a partner like Jenny who can really zero in on this one particular issue and be the expert for us, we rely heavily on her yeah. and her members uh, and her board. She has an excellent group of individuals working with her that's great thank that's you that was a great that was a great overview Phil and, and by the way it's medicaidforeducation.org that's from that's the website of the National Alliance for Medicaid in Education I have it linked here but it's medicaidineducation.org okay and mm -hmm. what you said you said there are school districts that do not take advantage of this Jenny Okay, there are school districts who do not take advantage of this. My next question is why? Right. Why would they not so, take advantage of it? So, Larry, this is an optional program. It is not required. And actually, oh, we just had um, the 50th state. We still had um, one state um, just uh, <laughs> joining. So now we can at least say what state came in. What state came in? Wyoming. Wyoming came okay, in. Okay, Wyoming. So now we... Yeah, so now we can say that all 50 states are participating, and um, and now it's still optional for school districts. But um, largely, largely the the problem, the barrier is the administrative burden. We know that it takes staff; it's additional duties if you um, put them on existing staff. So what just happened is um, just a few days ago, a new set of guidelines were released in an attempt to um, relieve some of these administrative burdens with some additional flexibilities for states and school districts to consider. So we're in a very unique position right now in the um, school-based Medicaid programs to be able to examine um, the potential impact of a lot of new flexibilities surrounding um, uh, billing options, third-party liability, and um, provider qualifications specifically. So hopefully, as we continue to learn about the impact of um, the new guidelines that were released, we're going to be able to see that 
small school districts, rural school districts, school districts who were um, hesitant to um, consider it because of staffing and administrative claiming burdens um, will be more able to access the program under these new flexibilities. But aren't they spending? Obviously, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Obviously, if they put in the time to fill in the forms, okay, they're going to, I'm going to say this the right way, the way I mean, it would be profitable for them. In other words, the amount of dollars that they would get would more than justify a bit more of administrative spending. Would I be correct in most of the cases? You are correct. You are correct. But it's still a leap of faith, and it's still having to put some money um, up front before you get the money back. And so it's, um, it is hard, yeah. particularly yeah. for small and rural districts. And so I know personally that the Medicaid office and the um, federal um, offices of special education, they were all very concerned about small and rural districts not being able to fully access this program. So a lot of these flexibilities oh, wow. were developed with them in mind. And so we are very hopeful. You know, wow. we're still learning and examining um, what these flexibilities can mean, um, but we're very hopeful that it's going to create a better space for those particular districts. Well, it has to. It has to. It has to. Who, who, who in, in school district? And, and actually, Phyllis kind of mentioned this. You've got the special education director. But this goes, if I may, beyond special ed, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, special ed is just a part of this. Okay, am I correct, right. Yeah, you okay. are. Thank you. Yeah, so, 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 so that's a part of this. So I'll, I'll throw this back to Jenny. Jenny, who in the school district usually handles this? Is it the CFO? So it really, it really has to start with a, a superintendent with interest or um, a special ed director or a student services assistant superintendent or someone in that capacity to say, um, you know, and consider how a school district can possibly implement this program. Um, it takes great leadership, and so that's what's wonderful about CASE. Um, you know, they help, yeah, help yeah. school district leaders um, know what they can do to support um, you know, the needs of the students, because that's what we all want is for our students to get the best services. And so this is certainly one of the avenues. Um, so, uh, you know, someone has to say, yeah, we want to do this. We want to look into this. And then they reach out to their state department of Medicaid or education and, and hopefully uh, get it started. We do a lot of training to facilitate how that collaboration um, might look. Um, it's important to um, to have all three legs of that stool operating together yeah. and uh, to make sure it's the best possible plan. Um, otherwise, you're, you're not going to have the best possible plan if you don't know what the districts need. But you also mentioned beyond special ed. Yeah. And so there is an, an element to this that is beyond special ed, and that's the free care part. It's, and so that was the free care reversal happened several years ago. And, and what that looks like is for any child who is eligible for Medicaid in that school district, whether they're special ed or not, states can opt to cover services for them. That could be something like audiology or a nurse yeah. that would come yeah. in and administer a fluoride treatment to an entire grade level or something yeah. like that. Wow. And then every kid, regardless if they're special ed or not, 
would um, be eligible for that reimbursement for that nurse. Georgia, in particular, um, expanded free care to nursing. Um, some states have expanded it beyond nursing. But, um, yeah, there are lots of options for school districts to, con- I mean, for states ultimately to make some decisions on how to fund um, Medicaid in their schools. You know, you mentioned Wyoming, and and we all know Wyoming's a pretty conservative state, which is just fine, okay? But there was a lot of politics a few years ago about expansion of Medicaid. And a lot of people, whether they had their reasons, legitimate, they didn't want that to happen. And Medicaid, if I may, I I hope it's still not that way, but it became, for some, like everything else, political, okay? And... Do you, do you think that there's a political there's is there some political factors built in involved in all this, Jen? Is that part of the situation? Well, I'd like to say this to to that comment that there is no state um, financial. Mm, I do, I'm, I'm going to try to use my words carefully here. States do not have to um, designate allocate funds for this program outside of like staffing. So you do have to have staff at the state level that supported, if certainly in the Medicaid office and the education office. Um, but the states aren't responsible unless they write their plan in that way for this program. You can still draw down the federal funds. And so it surprises me when people want to make it political. Yeah, well, me too. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. That fiscal I, I understand it, but I don't get it. Yeah. I know. So that fiscal responsibility doesn't rest on the state, and and it can. There are many states who do choose to support it and match it and allocate funds towards it, but not every state does. There's a lot of flexibility in this program, and I I think that's what I would want people to know and hear um, is that there are just so many flexibilities and options and if we want to ultimately relieve that burden off the local taxpayer who is, you know, <laughs> primarily responsible for that education yeah. system, yeah. this is a great Absolutely. way to do it. I think you just summed it up in a nutshell. People are always complaining we don't want the taxes to go up, okay? Right. And here's dollars that are available that we all pay into, let's be honest, okay? And this is available to people. It's got to be – It's got to be taken, in my opinion, I have to say it that way, it's got to be taken advantage of, okay, especially in times like this, okay, that budgets are tight, and here's dollars, and we got to, you got to think this through and not stand on a high horse and say, oh, I don't want that because of some political reasons, it's just stupid, if you ask me, okay. Yeah. Hey, Larry, there, you there's have, also you don't have to agree with that, you don't have to agree with that, but I said it, so just <laughs> I, I think we agree with you, uh, yeah. but let, let me also share. Let me also share another resource for school districts. Um, you know, as Jenny was was saying, um, you know, local school districts need to understand the state plan that has been written. You know, with regard to Medicaid reimbursement for the schools, um, and that's a that can be a big learning curve. But we do have a number of. Uh, third-party companies uh, out there who will uh, assist school districts in those processes. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. Are there any consulting firms that can help out? Absolutely. They do. They do. They they do, um, you know, they're they're a business, so they do ask for a percentage. 
uh-huh. they do get paid. But it, uh, as I can attest to, when I was a local director and accessing uh, Medicaid funds through reimbursement, uh, we still uh, encumbered a lot of uh, funds. We still received a lot of funds and paid a third party to assist us with exactly. uh, the being in compliance with all the laws, the regulations, uh, making sure our paperwork was in order, uh, that we were accounting for all of the um, requirements that the state, uh, you know, laid out for us. So there, there are resources. There are a number of companies uh, out there who uh, school districts can contact, and you know, they'll consult initially free of charge. They, they want to share with you. They want to provide assistance. They're in the business, of course, as any company is to make money, but they're in it for a reason to help school districts as well. Um, so uh, anybody that's listening and, and wants to know, I, I'd be happy to share those resources uh, that I'm aware of. Sure. And uh, well, I, and, and there thank are you. I just got to say, I just gotta you, say something. Yeah, thank you, Phyllis. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I was going to that was going to be my next question to you because I work with a wonderful company down in Oklahoma, and it's called Funds for Learning. But they do e-rate consulting, okay? Right. Basically, broadband communication. But they're a wonderful company, and the the dollars are there if schools can fill out the the form, okay? Which looks like the Magna Carta. You know what it's like, okay? (laughs) Yes. For the last 55 feet long, okay? It looks like a – this will scare everybody. It looks like a FAFSA application when your kid has to go to college. Okay, it's just a horrible thing. All right. So, But the Medicaid application, there are companies out there. Okay, and yeah, they're going to take a percentage like any other company would. Okay, but you're going to you're, you're it's like an investment. You're going to get it back. It is. Okay, and what it you're is. getting, I mean, just, thank you for bringing that up. That is so darn important. Okay, mm-hmm. how do you get the word out, Jen? How do you get the? I, mean, I know we're doing it for you today, and you're always welcome here to talk about it some more, as Phyllis would would know, and can always invite you, or you can invite yourself. But how else do you get the word out? to school districts, and I'm curious, as superintendents learn to be superintendents, as principals learn to be principals, is anybody telling them about this, or is this something that kind of is osmosis later on, you know? Well, we have a number of strategic partners, and I would have to say that CASE is certainly one of our strongest alliances. Certainly appreciate the support that Case and the platforms that Case provides for us. Um, I was able to present at the the Case conference in Salt Lake City last year, and oh, you know you those are great opportunities to uh, help people learn about the program and and what it can mean for them. Um, and and of course we also are our strategic partners with the um, Superintendents Association and, and many others. And so yes. With, we work closely with Sasha and with AASA, and we mm-hmm. we really we really depend on our strategic partners to help us get that message out. And then, of course, as Phyllis talked about, my board, who is just full of phenomenal leaders across the nation, and uh, and so they work. So we all work diligently to uh, to promote uh, what we do and get the word out. We put on an annual conference. This year will be our twenty-first oh, annual conference. Yes, where, where, we have our twenty-first national. We are going where, to be where? in Dallas, Texas, this October, and so please, anyone that wants to visit our website to get our conference information, we would love to have interested parties join us. Yeah, they really. Um, the week of the twenty-third of October, 
in Dallas. Medicaid for MedicaidforEducation.org is the website. Dot org. That's for, it. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> and, I mean, um, is, yeah, but, so. you know, again, and I believe I love the work you guys do. Most people don't even know about it. Okay, and well, it's I just think... to me, it's just fascinating. And we got to get. But I'm thrilled we can get the word out here because. Right. Um, so just amazing. I mean, it's there. And again, these are tough times for school districts. All right, we well, got particularly make this happen. around mental health. And you yeah. know, the, oh. the bill passed oh, last June. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act passed last June, and a huge portion of that bill surrounded Medicaid and education to support mental health needs. And as school districts try to do that, this is the this is the avenue. And so that's really what's brought so much attention to school based Medicaid in the past few months. And so I'm excited to say that I think that more and more people are learning about it. I I would hope so. Phyllis, of your group, I mean, they, do they know about these changes and all this and uh, well, the IDEA, IDEA stuff and the the Medicaid? Do they know all about all this stuff? They oh, sure get do. The word out. Good. Yeah. Are they telling yeah. their superintendents? Are they telling the superintendent and hitting them over the head with a fly slaughter? Get this. We sure hope. Get this. We sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Actually, you know, as Jenny was saying, um, you know, paying attention to the laws that are passed, and Jenny is very good about keeping us updated on everything that's happening from a federal perspective. And most recently, there have been some proposed changes. We're on top of those. We have responded to the regulations. We're actually sending something out that will go out this afternoon regarding some consent, some changes to consent that will assist our school districts in having a little more flexibility in billing. Um, those Medicaid, uh, seeking those reimbursements for those Medicaid eligible students. And um, so we, we try and stay on top of every bit of that. We notify our state units and ask them to have a voice. And, and again, it, we're doing that because NAME and Jenny uh, and her board are keeping us aware of all of those uh, intricate pieces that can positively impact us if we're advocating appropriately. Absolutely. And by the way, you just said name, and that is the acronym for National Alliance for Medicaid in Education, NAME, but it's uh, MedicaidforEducation.org, okay, is, is, the, uh, is the website, okay? This is uh, Jen, Jenny, I'm so glad you're here, and you're welcome here. Anytime something new pops up, okay, just get well, in touch. Thank you, Larry. We're to do enough, I mean that. <laughs> we, we, and always feel free to send us press releases, et cetera. This is okay. important stuff. And, you know, we, we are, we're really concerned about equity, all right? And, and, and the more dollars that come in, the more people realize this, the more we do for that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled for, do the, for doing this, okay? And this is just great. So, ladies, I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you for bringing, thank you, Phyllis and Bridget, who's not here, for bringing us Jenny, okay, which is just incredible. Okay, it's good stuff. Thank you, Phyllis. You're welcome. You can pay me later, okay? Absolutely. I don't have that much money. You're worth millions. Okay? And Jenny's Thank a doctor. She at least charges you know, $50 for a house call. So, I mean, you know. I know. I know, right? <laughs> right. So, so you yeah, you're, both, you're, you're both doing such good work. And just keep it up and stay in touch. You guys know that, okay? 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Larry. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, and again, everybody, I haven't linked here, but it's the National Associate, National Alliance, I have association, I've changed that word, National Alliance for Medicaid and Education. They call themselves NAME. The website is medicaidforeducation.org. Okay, and this show was from Case, my good friends at the Council of Administrators of Special Education, which is part of CEC, so their website is casecec.org. We're going to archive this. Please share it over at ace-ed.org. As I mentioned, everything we do over there about equity is free. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thank you for listening.